Hello and welcome back to another episode of After This, the greatest podcast in the entire universe, uh, I guess, about unification, but I'm just going to say it's the greatest podcast in the universe, because uh, yeah. I'm super We got this, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> we ascended in 51 episodes. Um, and, um, well, well, my name's Daniel. My name's Carla. And I am Shannon. And this week, uh, I'm basically just going to be handing it over to Shannon, because he's going to be talking about the... Uh, healthcare network and industry in Australia and the way it's governed and everything else. And um, because he started his new degree and he's all fired up on information. Yeah. And um, I'm going to try and learn things. So take it away. Oh, does that mean I have to try and teach, hey, Daniel? Um, oh, my level of knowledge on this topic is very low, so you'll be well, fine. <laughs> well, let's, let's, um, let's start things off, Daniel, by talking about the... Um, basics of the governance system in Australia anyway, just so we can um, paint the framework for people. So in 1901, Australia became pretty much uh, the, an independent nation for the systems of governments under the Commonwealth. And the constitution established a Sorry about that. The Constitution established a Commonwealth federal government giving the Parliament powers in specific fields. Mm -hmm. Each of these six states and territories within the Commonwealth has a Parliament. In these states, these Parliaments have powers in all areas not specific to the Constitution as Commonwealth powers. Mm -hmm. The Commonwealth state and territory governments operate under the Westminster system. Do you know much about the Westminster system, Daniel? The Westminster system? It's basically the um, British form of democratic government mm -hmm. with, like, um, parliament and, you know, they kind of have a House of Lords and a thing and we just have a Senate, but it's, you know, it's all pretty similar. <clears throat> there you go. Well, we'll blend over into the, um, to the health sector now. Because in 1946, well, prior to 1946, the Commonwealth only had power over quarantine matters. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess that would make sense because it's kind of the federal entity. It's just controlling stuff that's coming in and out of the federation. Yeah. Um, but in, yeah, mm. no, so in 1946, which was a, a very historic time, um, <laughs> the, cons the Constitution was amended and which was enabled the Commonwealth to provide health benefits and services without mm -hmm. altering the powers without altering the powers of the state in this regard. Consequently, two levels of government have overlapping responsibility in the healthcare sector. Right. So what kind of new powers did they get? The, um, well, the Commonwealth. Um, the new powers. I'll, I'll continue reading, Daniel, and perhaps we'll find out. Ah, fantastic. The Commonwealth currently has leadership role in policy making, mm -hmm. and particularly in national issues like public health, research, and national information management. Mm. The states and ter territories are primarily responsible for the delivery and management of the public health services and for maintaining direct relationships with most healthcare providers, including the regulation of healthcare professionals. 
Okay. Just out, just out of curiosity, so the CSIRO must be like part of the natural evolution of this kind of thing. Um, you would know, Carla. CSIRO does medical stuff as well, doesn't it? It's not just yeah. like... Because I know they do all these studies and research uh, and stuff. I didn't know if they did medical as well. They do. They definitely at least dabble in medicine. I'm just looking it up now. Yeah, so they've got animals. This is their subjects that they have listed. Animals and plants, bushfire, AI, climate, drought resilience, environment, farming and food production, health, indigenous engagement, uh, IT, mining that. and manufacturing, renewables and energy, astronomy and space. So, yeah, it's one of the many things. Can you tell cover. me what it stands for? Because I actually can't remember either. Uh, this is for our listeners. Not the CSIRO the top is of my like head. our scientific entity for Australian like national research. But uh, right. I thought you might know. <laughs> no, but, well, I didn't know off the top of my head, but I found it. It is the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. Fun times. Mm. You'd, imagine, here, you'd imagine I'd have a lot of data that would feed into the system anyway. Yeah. <laughs> this is, they've got like these five like uh, little diagrams, I suppose, little pit- pictographs of their like what they're ha- proud of. And it's got fast Wi-Fi, AeroGuard, Raft polymerization, the total well-being diet, and plastic banknotes, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually really, really good. It is, that, like, and America can... has resolutely not adopted it. <laughs> no, uh, it, but it it's... is really weird when you go there, actually, and they've got all paper money. Like it, yeah. it feels I, weird. It's like, like you it could tear this a... in half. Yeah, you yeah. Light this really on fire. Easily, if you yeah. leave this in your jeans when you go through the wash, it's fucked. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 can't, I would, I would be bankrupt. With <laughs> <laughs> All your paychecks are just in the washing machine somewhere. Oh. <laughs> if I don't just, oh, there's a swimming pool jump. Oh, I've got my wallet and my keys and my phone. I just lost all my money to repair all those things as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun time. Oh, anyway, sorry. Anyway. Continue, Shannon. So the states and territories deliver acute and psychiatric hospital services and a wide range of community and public services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, including school, dental, maternal and child care and environmental health programs. Um, The state and territory governments directly fund a broad range of health services. Commonwealth funds most medical... The Commonwealth funds most medical services out of hospital and most health research the Commonwealth states and territories jointly fund public hospitals and community care for aged and disabled persons. Mm. So um, all levels of uh, government plus consumers and non-government sectors have some role of funding, administering or providing care for older people. So as well as like 1946 that all this was sort of thrown in or is this stuff later? uh, This is like the, um, the, uh, this is just sort of like, yeah, thrown in from the um the constitution, like once they right, okay. realised they were doing this, and then that's in forty six. It's like yeah, oh it yeah, so then that's obviously when um well, know, was minister in parliament and all that sort of stuff. So you know, well, everyone was back from World War Two, and they're probably all like, oh, we got all these veterans with injuries and like mental issues and whatever else, and baby booming and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, we got to take care of everyone now. The war's over, um, so. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, before I go on to the, the next thing about the delivery of our healthcare thing, uh, the delivery of our healthcare, mm-hmm. um, 
Did you know, so this is this stat was in based on the estimated age expectancy in 94 for people born in 1994, so a little mm. bit younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guess what the, uh, the male age life expectancy for 94, Daniel? Nine, uh, born in 1994. I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to say it's 79. Close. 75.2 years for boys. And, okay. and it's 81 for, um, 81 for girls. So I'm really loving our, like, 67 retirement age when they're only expecting <laughs> us to live for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like, well, that's, that's a fun that's year years. That's that's that probably changes if you start measuring it after yeah. a certain age because childhood mortality tends to pull that figure down. And a lot of other, yeah, and um, and then our technology and our health services have only improved a lot mm. in the past 15 years as well with a lot of more early detection sort of things, a lot of more early detection. Yeah, I mean, there'd be a lot, of, a lot of stuff, industrial workplace sort of stuff where people were dying early because of, like, poor regulation of this or that as well. Like, it's still happening, though, man. It's still, still happening. Oh, of course like, it is. What yeah. is it? Um, all those. What, what the, recently is sal- What is it? Uh, silicosis. Have you, did you hear about that? No, I don't think so. Or like for years, all those like stonemasons and people cutting pavers and that have just been having like really crappy masks on and stuff mm. like that. So they've been breathing in all that, and now they're getting like silicosis inside their lungs. Where they're mm. like, hey man, your right, inside of your lungs have turned to cement. So it's mm. like asbestos <laughs> too. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like, I think a lot of stuff was really like not thought about or done poorly, and it's probably really fudged the numbers a little bit. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But even then, like you said, there's still more issues. We still have new things. We invent new chemicals. We invent new stuff and mm. don't realize we're killing ourselves yet again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And being as tough as we are, it's just like sometimes it can be a long time before we even show a symptom, and then it can be a very short time after a symptom before it's yeah. like, oh, too late. <coughs> oh, what a small cough, dead. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen the Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's like the 1800s or earlier and someone's getting off the train and they're just like coughing, like, oh, it's nothing, it's just a cough. And then like six months later it happens again, they're saying goodbye again, and then when they come back they're like, oh, no, it was fine, it was just a cough. And everyone's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, back then when everyone just—that's the thing. Back then, like if you had a small cough and no one really knew how to diagnose things very well or anything, like it's just like oh, maybe he is dying. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's just on a little side tangent as well. I thought you find might find a bit interesting, guys. It's just like um, immigration health in Australia, like for um, migrants, not um, not refugee-seeking ones, but for migrants. Hmm. Um, they have like a, an above average level of health in this country because of the very stringent standards in which people shouldn't be sick because we don't want to be looking after sick people, already sick people with chronic conditions. Right. So, you, so you're saying they screen people and they yeah, know that it's... Yeah, so, that we, so because, because of the, our, our stringent screening process, thank you for those words, Daniel. Oh, um, sorry, I just wasn't sure. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no I imagine... No, it would also be that they tend to be 
richer and um, yeah. economic status plays a huge role in, in um, health because we allow more migrants that are highly skilled and um, mm. based on what job they're doing. So that's what really plays a partner as well. And, and if you've got the money to pack up and move internationally. So as you talk about, you talk about a country like India or something as well, because we have a lot of um, people in my workplace are from India, and like mm. a lot of them honestly seem like they're from very wealthy households, because mm. mm. like they talk about their living situation back in India with like house servants and things in the yeah. house, and that's pretty normal for them. Mm. And like yeah, so like they've grown up, they've been funded to go to university and become whatever yeah. they've learned, and then they come to Australia. It's yeah, we're getting we're getting the people that had access to all the really good healthcare. Mm. Um, but the interesting fact that goes along with that is um, the longer the, that those families spend in this country, <laughs> it, it reverts backwards. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> like, we take the best and we just... Like, we oh, you made it in. Kill them. Them. It's like, welcome to Australia. Have a meat pie. <laughs> <laughs> You've proved you can be healthy. Now we're gonna ruin it. <laughs> Have you ever had a punch up at the footy? Oh, it's the best. <laughs> I, miss uh, them. I miss them. Oh, I just want to go to the footy for punch ups again. <laughs> Quarantine woes. <laughs> All right. So the delivery of our healthcare services in this country is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as indi- as I've mentioned earlier, like it's a mix between the. Oh, actually, I didn't mention it earlier. We have a mixed. We have a public, and a private sector. This is a good place to start. Ah, yes, it is an interesting system in that way. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's very very interesting. So pretty much our the way our private our public system works is we have um, a, a groovy little thing called Medicare. Which I think is super fantastic. It pretty much means that um, the way Medicare way Medicare works is almost like the the state. It's, it's the government provides uh, as a first point sort of contact that when you go to your doctor if they're if they're bulk billed, and what bulk billed means is if that doctor is agreed to work under the standard rate of the, the scheduled fee, I think it's mm-hmm. called, mm-hmm. The, the government will cover the costs for that and then it's not until, like, your tax time that comes back around if you're in a certain income bracket that you'll actually have to pay the money back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's groovy because, you know, being a student at the moment, I can just go to the doctors, get, get all fixed up and mm-hmm. away I go. Mm. It covers medication and everything too to make sure nothing's like seven thousand dollars like it yeah, is in America. Yeah, yeah, you can't. That's called the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, Daniel. Ah, okay, cool. I didn't know that had the name. Cool. Yeah, pharmaceutical benefit scheme. Yeah. So pretty much you pay all that sort of stuff out, and then yeah, I get a little check as a fun as a fun journey through the public health system. That's how I got my nose fixed because mm. um, I had my deviated septum. And um, obviously, it was really messing with my um, pressure in my head, and I was getting headaches all the time. So I went and saw my doctor. He put me onto an ear, nose, and throat guy. The ear, nose, and throat guy I had to pay the full amount to. So I was paying full amounts to him to see him. But, but then that he... was probably on the order of a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. It was not, about a hundred. Not about ten thousand. A... No, exactly. It was about <laughs> it was about hundred and fifty a time. I think when I saw him, mm-hmm. and then I only saw him twice. 
And then he put me on the Medicare list to get my nose fixed. He said, well, obviously, going on the Medicare list, you're going to have to wait longer. But I was like, yeah, it's fine. And so I think it was nine months because I was on the non-urgent uh, medically necessary or something list or whatever it was okay, called. Yeah. And then um, waited nine months, got that done and went to a public hospital. And it was all excellent quality, mm. excellent nurses, excellent doctors. Um, I got it all done. I didn't pay a cent for the entire adventure and then came out with a fixed nose and I was like, oh man, our public health system's amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not in America. <laughs> so just to start, just to fill you in a little bit there, Daniel, just normally how once you go to the doctor, if you do need a referral, mm. um, Medicare covers, I think 85% of the cost to that specialist. Ah, right, yes, because I did have a big discount on the initial trip to the GP who gave yeah. me the referral to the nose and throat guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so you get 85% off the um, of that and then you're supposed to pay the, the, the gap, the difference. Yeah, yeah. And then if they, pay, if they charge more than the schedule fee on top of that again, you have to pay that difference as well. Mm. But yeah, the groovy thing is $400, I think, for the entire thing. From yeah. beginning to end, mm. so, so very happy. <laughs> so the other, the other, the other beautiful thing as well, Daniel. If if your story didn't work out very well, and your surgery ended up needing more surgery and more surgery, and again, we have a little thing called um, the Medi. What is it? The um, Medi. Uh, oh my gosh, I've I've lost the word. It's the oh, tax it? levy. The Medi Medi Bank levy. Let ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the Medi the Medicare bank levy. The, sorry, the Medicare levy, which is part of the taxation system, which yeah. is when you're over a certain amount. And then there's the Medicare levy surcharge. The Medicare levy surcharge is what kicks in if you don't have public health insurance. Sorry, don't have private health insurance uh, past a certain age or a certain earnings bracket or something. I know yeah. I was I was meant to pay it, but I've got health insurance this year. So yeah, you're lucky. Yeah. So the government does kind of encourage people to have private health insurance. Yeah. as well but uh yeah i think it's only the main they do a 30 percent mm -hmm. they give 30 percent of the back on your taxes i'm pretty sure okay as an incentive and now if you're over the age of 31 on from the july 1st after you turn 31 mm -hmm. that it goes up two percent every year for when yeah. you do go to do it. So they're like, oh, we'll give you a rebate. And it's just like, oh, but not enough people are on it. Let's just make it more expensive. <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's messy. It. And that's the problem with like insurance schemes is the thing is when you don't have enough people that want them, it's just going to jack up the, the initial rate because that's what it relies on is a lot, a lot of people on it. I'm just too honest of a person. Everything I would need to go on private health insurance or as a pre-existing injury so i'm just like stick it yeah. up your bum you don't like you don't i'm trying to be i'm trying to have this like super holistic approach to my health but don't want any no, honestly the yeah. other thing for, the only reason that i even have it because i was actually pretty happy with the public health experience mm. and it's very expensive honestly but the thing is the 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 only reason that I have it is because like I was talking to my mom about it and she mentioned that you get to pick whatever hospital you want to use, uh, particularly in the case of like pregnancy and things like that. Mm. So the thing is, uh, obviously, me and him have a couple's plan. But the thing is, like, 
it means that you get to say, oh, I want to go to this one right next to me in Bandura to get everything done, and I get it whenever I want. Whereas mm -hmm. the public system, you'll get told sort of which hospital. It's not going to be terrible, but the thing is, you kind of have to play around their system a bit. Yeah. And it's like, for some things, that's not good, but for a lot of things, that's fine. Yeah. So I'm in that like weird middle ground where there's only really a couple of things I want the private one for, but I have to pay for the turbo plan to get those to get couple those of things. things. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I'm very happy with the public one. It's just that yeah, I, that bit is just inconvenient. You do get a bit more freedom. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And the private that. health insurance companies tend to put on like bonuses that you wouldn't get under public health system, like massage and. Um, yeah that kind of thing where they're like trying to jazz it up to encourage people to get it yeah exactly. it's fine so the private health insurance has to offer something special yeah 20 percent yeah. off movie tickets or something yeah. like, it's, <laughs> all, it's just random stuff yeah <laughs> i did a three-day massage course and now i'm like massage what that's how i get my massages <laughs> it's much cheaper <clears throat> um we completely went off topic for something yep, you were actually. Tangent number two. Let's get back. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm lost. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Um, all right. Well, let's just, uh, let's, before I like babble on a little bit more, let's just talk about like how much the healthcare system actually costs Australia. And then we can, okay. then we can actually go into this, the services and whatnot because it's a very, very expensive, expensive. Do you know how much Australia spends on health each year? It's not the government, but Australia. Uh, no. Uh, are you talking about, like, are you including how Australia, much? Including the government and all of its, like, the total that is spent uh, on. I'm going to say it's 12 billion or something. <laughs> 12, it's $180 billion. Oh, but I mean, that makes sense, right? Because you've got an entire, like, you've got this massive thing of paying all the pharmaceuticals and all the doctors and all the hospitals and all the everything. Like, it's going to be ludicrously expensive. Mm. And also, <laughs> yeah. if we're going to get ideological about this, like, health is something that the community should be banding together to keep everyone healthy. Yes. You know, I think it's one of the, the basic things that you can believe that a government should be doing is giving people these rights. Oh, Daniel's kitty is in frame again. Is Hello, Ghostbusters. He purrs really loud, so, like, can you hear him? Oh, yes. <laughs> that came through really clear. I wish you sounded like that, Daniel. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to keep him, like, from going too loud so we can still talk, but he's just... He's a very purry cat. Aww. Very, very purry. Sorry, what were we saying sorry. about? No oh yeah, health insurance. Sorry, the the budget. You were talking budget, about budget. Yes. Lady, yeah. Yeah, and so, in and the government, um, or the I'm not actually too sure about the the Victorian government how much they spend, but the uh, national government spends. Um, I think it's eighty one billion dollars a oh. year. That's the, and it goes up about two percent, three percent every year. Hmm. I mean, Victoria would be one of the bigger ones, like New South Wales, because we have the biggest population mm. and yeah. so we have medical infrastructure. Yeah, we, we've got we've got very good medical infrastructure in mm. Victoria, which I'll dabble into in a little bit. Thankfully, so, with Corona. Yeah. <laughs> uh -uh. But um, so the primary, like we spent most of that eighty eighty two. We'll just call we ended up to eighty two billion dollars. Um, 
That's fair. It's it's actually it's also sixteen sixteen point three percent of our budget mm. of our total expenditure. And most of that money is spent on Medicare and private health insurance rebate. Mm-hmm. And, that, and so I think that accounts for $33.7 billion or 41%. Mm. And yeah, they, they estimate it's just going to keep growing. Like by 2023, it'll be $38 billion, they reckon. Is mm. that growing in line with population or increased per capita? Do you know? Um, the their projections. Yeah. No, I'm only just. I'll, I'll see if it brings that up. Might mention it. Yeah. Um, kind of makes sense either way, really. And the pharmaceutical benefit scheme costs thirteen billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And what are the other things? And and yeah, assistance to state hospitals as well. It costs twenty two billion dollars. So and that's just the assistance. So I imagine how much it would cost the actual states as well. Mm. But as I said, um, if we spend one hundred and eighty billion on health, and then the government does that, so we'll still be in that rough same sector as well. I reckon we'd probably mm. be spending the fifty to sixty billion dollars in state health. Is my guess. Mm. Um, yeah, and but, it's um, good because our taxes don't seem to be particularly out of whack with other countries, really. Like they're 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 a little different, but the thing is, the taxation system and how much we pay is not that different, given mm. the amount of benefit we're getting. And, and that's also, sort of that's that's the that's the usefulness of economies of scale. You get everyone yeah. paying for something, and then you don't have to charge anyone very much. Mm-mm. Yeah, and the US yeah. spends more on health than Australia, like government does, um, mm. despite our system being a jillion times better. <laughs> so. It's because there's, I mean, they've got a much, much larger population, but at the same time... But that's even per capita. Yeah, it's oh. riddled with inefficiencies. Yeah. They're trying to protect the private health industry really <sighs> rigorously. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure yeah. um, how, like, the, the total dispersion of population is in america but in australia it's about 80 percent live in cities mm. and 20 percent remotely and, and they the more get a remote, deal yeah the the more yeah. remote you are it's like yeah the more remote you are um the lower you've got much lower life expectancy as well in australia yeah because you I mean the thing is in Amer- in america there's like some of the states are very rural states, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the population is rural. So the thing is, inherently, those states are going to have more of a focus on rural communities. Like, you look at something like Kansas or Arkansas or something, and there's a lot more, like, rural communities. Um, So the the legislature of that state is going to be very focused on providing for rural communities. Whereas, yeah, in Australia, every single state has a major metropolitan centre with most of the population. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't think there's any exceptions. Like I'm trying to think of maybe even Northern Territory. Even yeah, they don't have many people in general. So the thing mm. is, I think most of it would be up near Darwin. I don't know. I'd be interested to know. Okay. Yeah, with, what I like about the remote health now is because it's like technology is getting a lot better that they're able to um, do online examinations. Because like the main problem in being out in the remote area is 
might be two hours to your nearest doctor. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But he's only like that doctor. He or she or she, um, can only is only specialized in that field, sort of a thing. So if your problem's not in that, in, mm. not in their area of expertise, it's another four six hours, or you might just get whatever help you can get from the person. But obviously, mm. it's not the best kind. But yeah, as I said. With um, the whole online thing, you can now, um, that doctor can um, present this person's case to other people, other experts. So, like, and because, mm. um, what is it? The, our job, like, a, the role of the nurse um, or the role of the healthcare system is to provide um, an interdisciplinary team approach with um, mm. allied health professionals. So, your allied health is your, you know, your psychologists, your um, occupational therapists, uh, you know, dentists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just your your first line of um, specialists, really. Mm. And, yeah, so to the more remote you are, you can't exactly chuck. Well, I guess that's where the flying jockey used to come in. Um, But obviously now the online thing is easier, I guess. The potential, if we can do it. Sorry, the doctor's more about emergencies, though, Daniel. Oh, okay. So it's like we need to fly, get this person from here, and get them to the um, to a hospital. So that's like that's still just as relevant, but it's more like the ongoing care. Mm. Because um, yeah, one of the things I used to think, just you know, me Daniel, I've had this like really holistic approach about like health and like you know mind, body, and spirit, and all that sort of stuff. And I used to think it made me like a bit of like one of those hippie sort of peoples. But now that I was within three weeks of being a nurse, I've learned so much about holistic health. It actually has mm-hmm. to be a nurse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a whole system, right? The thing is, like, the term holistic just means attacking everything at once, basically. So you have everything in mind and you're not just dealing with one tiny piece and thinking mm. the rest is irrelevant. Like, that just makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like, because of, like, pretty much going back to what you were saying before, Carla, about the, the importance of the health system is because of how expensive this whole like like the health is in general they're like oh how how can we save money on health how can we like make people healthier because we're Mm. just treating people at the moment Mm. and so yeah that's why they've brought in the um like the more social model of health which takes in like environment Mm. workplace like social economic factors and environmental factors into Mm. someone's and Mm. prevention is always better than cure and that's the kind of thing that helps to prevent health problems is Mm. having you know people be aware of it and have strong community ties and access to um non-emergency services as well i feel would be a big one like even even i live right in the city and i have delayed going to the doctor because i can't be bothered yeah imagine living (laughs) four hours away from the nearest doctor how much you would just let slide yeah yeah like biannual trip to do something yeah Yeah, i went i think you were going to say something before carla that everyone we all cut you off (laughs) oh i was going to say if we can get the um if we can properly utilise new technology and internet capabilities, we could do a lot of 
a lot more good yeah, with the healthcare system, but it's like just getting that organized. Surgeries that those dudes are doing like over robots or something. Yeah, like that's yeah. crazy. That's probably a couple of years down the line. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, you want it to be a really slow it process anyway. Really there are things kind of coming in bit by bit where the surgeon will now use a robot for like one particular part of a surgery and then do the rest by hand. Um, mm. I don't know too much about it, but what I have read is really interesting. And have mm. a pharmaceutical launcher. So it fires it. Oh, you're 270 kilometers away out in the bush. Okay, you're roughly at these yeah. coordinates. It's just like. Ding. It lands <laughs> right on your front little, porch. This little thing parachutes down on your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's no, how no. I would die. I would totally forget and then just go for a walk and forget that they're launching something at me. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll go check the mail. Oh, <laughs> Outside during these times. <laughs> oh, it's my new cast. <laughs> but also, what I was going to say before as well, Carl, is like prevention not only better but cheaper. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With the mentality that you're just dealing with the problem when it occurs, like you know, you've you've missed so many opportunities to make things a lot easier, a lot cheaper, a lot healthier, a lot nicer. By just you know tackling things like diet and exercise earlier on in the piece, <clears throat> aren't you amazing, Daniel? I feel like I, I I mean I'm the one who's probably spent by far the least time studying health stuff, so it's just interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it. Um, yeah, I totally forget where where I was at. I'll just say some more amazing things about the healthcare system. Um. So I was mentioned earlier about the Victorian system. I don't. I'm not too familiar in this top topic, but I will um, um, bring it up in as a base. I'll basically describe it. It's called the Case Mix Funding for Acute Hospital Care in Victoria. Mm-hmm. And pretty much what the Case Mix, um, pretty much what was brought in in like early '90s, and mm-hmm. it is. Um, it was brought in because the Victorian healthcare system was in shambles. Mm-hmm. It's just like didn't didn't really um, know what was going on, and now the, since the introduction of the case mix, it's become one of a world renowned front line in how to run a hospital um, healthcare system. This is... uh, and it's, what is it? it's very. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like yeah. I'm getting it. It's um pretty much sort of like scales and rates every single sort of like surgery it gives it like a value and then it gives a person a sort of i'm pretty sure it gives a person a value as well mm-hmm. so it might say this surgery uh, this hospital gets a value rating of this and therefore costs this much money and the government will fund this much towards that sort of surgery and what that did was meant that every single public hospital would charge the same amounts and deliver a same care service. So you wouldn't have that whole competition of like all different prices at different hospitals for different surgeries. Right. That sounds really good. And and what that what sort do you mean of, by assigns a person a value? That's the bit that's really interesting to me. <laughs> I'm probably that's why I was very I was just like, oh shit, I should, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm talking out of my depth. Um, 
So were you a Liberal Party member? <laughs> <laughs> right. The overall aim... The overall I'm just trying to eat the, the headphone cable. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> uh, the overall... So adorable. Sorry. I'm trying to talk you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Ghostbusters, stop I'm being so cute. I'm trying to keep away from the cables. Yay. I'm actually... I'm reading off papers. I'm not even like... On a, on a screen at the moment. So the overall aim of the case mix funding was to enhance and expand the hospital system in Victoria through the process that was free from centralised bureaucratic control, engendered competition and economic incentives for hospitals and reward efficiency and growth in service while at the same time guarded quality turning... Um, DRGs into case mix funding. So I'm going to have to go back and tell you what the DRG is. Um, diagnosis related, diagnosis related groups. So Daniel, I think when I said gives people a value, I don't think it actually means an individual of value. It's, okay. it's just like we do sort of have a um, priority thing in Australia, like. Mm -hmm. I think what it is, is what I mean by priority is we have um, equity. We have horizontal and vertical equity in this country. And mm. horizontal equity is Medicare. Yeah. And vertical equity is um, Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander people in this country um, don't have as long life expectancy and we need to address that issue and mm. deliver um, equity. And okay, so they might give a higher priority to someone who's part of a disadvantaged group or something. Or if they need, um, I think it's more like um, need of surgery. Like your surgery, for example, would be oh, okay, like requirement. But, yeah. Whereas somebody needs like a pacemaker or heart surgery. Yeah, because I know that yeah, I, think, I think it was like whether it's urgent and essential, whether it's essential and non-urgent, yeah. and then whether it's, I don't know, I don't think there was urgent and non-essential, but then there was a little example, bit of that. <laughs> probably something oh, in that. It's urgent, doesn't need it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think... Well, that, oh, that could be like, like an infected toenail or something, like... That needs to, like, you need to fix it quickly, but also it's not that important. So here's, here's, here's a little example for you, Daniel. Um, so for, for an, a simple endoscopy, endoscopy mm -hmm. it, um, with, a, with a weight of 0 0.3, mm -hmm. um, would cost around 2 would cost around two thousand four hundred dollars, but because of the weight, it would get a funding of seven hundred and twenty dollars. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, so I think the weight of it just describes how much funding it'll get. Whereas something like a liver transplant will have a weight of forty and can receive ninety six thousand dollars funding. Right. Mm. Okay. So yeah, I think it was just a way to to just. Um, yeah, remove the the bureaucratic bullshit. That yeah, I guess it's kind of so like the idea standardized laws. You have standardized medical pricing. So basically, that a hospital sets up, it starts working, whatever it has to follow the scheduled rates. And yes. that means that the hospitals aren't tempted to cut their price 
and also cut quality by doing that. Is that part of the point there? But then I they are still makes... competing on efficiency and quality of care. And that yeah, kind of... um, they they are. But I think there's a system like the system. It's not about um, yeah. As I said, it's, it's not about the. Um, I think for these things to do, um, you have to remember that we have like um, a whole bunch of, I should have probably mentioned all this, we have a whole bunch of boards that are responsible for the standardising these things. So mm-hmm. um, every hospital would be getting reviewed to make sure that they've all got the same tech and everyone's got the same training. Right. Yep. Um, and the beautiful thing about nursing in this country is every nurse has to do 20 hours training every year into furthering their education into either a specific thing or they can do seminars, webinars, sort of thingos and go can um, contribute in like the nursing field in like so many different ways, but they yeah. that's really, really constantly be keep training. So with that, I think that's also helped with this like standardization of like these new technologies, these new measures, but being able to actually produce quality health results and have all this data has it's funny you mentioned that because because im's mum is a nurse um in a like a specialized like post-maternity sorry uh, postnatal like uh, mental health sort of area like very specialized on that and um obviously that's for postnatal depression yeah yeah I, i would assume so um and then um but she's winding down to retirement like within a year or two but she still has to do the training thing and she's just like <laughs> Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I learn more. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was saying. Hope she should, should have a chat to her because she could share her information with other nurses and people mm. coming into her thing. And that's where it's more about like, that's your 20 hours there. You're improving the nursing field by training others. Yeah. So that's hope, hopefully. And if she's yeah, not, no, then I don't hopefully. Know the details, obviously. I just know that she whinges about having to go to training things. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, look, fair enough if you're a year from retirement. You don't want me just like, I know what I'm doing. It's fine. I'll leave. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And everyone loves, everyone loves whinging. You'll get there one day, Sean. You'll be yeah, at the whingy. Did I get to get to whinge? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the old nurse. It's just like, I know what I'm doing, Tyler, but delivering babies for 70,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be that person. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have um, too much more prepared. All my information's too scattered and I've, I've, I've flailed my arms everywhere. But every time... <laughs> We had fun rambling about health. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna do a part two as I like learn more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, the things that I, re- the reasons um, I wanted to do this um, um, podcast, Daniel, is because the things that I learn about this is like I like the um, that case mix was like the protection from, you know, like bureaucracy. Mm. Mm. And I feel like it's something that I want to like look into and learn more about like the structure of, because it seems like it would be very good to apply to other, um, other sectors in government. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like medicine's one of those things where there's a really kind of, uh, 
unavoidable and obvious uh, repercussion, I suppose. Like, you can sort of see, you do all these things right, you do this and that, and then people are able to go to the doctor and they say they can afford things and they're getting the services. Like, it's mm. it's really kind of one-to-one, you know, there's it, not a lot of confusion involved. It's just mm. people are either getting it or they're not. Whereas I think with a lot of other governmental systems and things they try to implement, the results are really vague. And it's kind of hard to tell if you're having the impact you want because it gets mm. really complicated and, you know. Yeah, whatever. whereas health, health has a lot more, like, yeah, there's a lot more results. It's a, it's a lot more like, I do this, then that's happening. Great. And if it doesn't happen, then we have to go back to it. There's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is good. I mean, yeah. like anything, you need to be careful about what you're actually measuring and you need to be careful mm-hmm. about, like, if you're looking at averages, then that can hide um, inequalities like between rural oh, and, and urban. Yeah. So, like you do, you still have to be a bit careful. But you're right; there is a lot more uh, quantitative I data that you can I think get. it's easier to measure than other things definitely. that the government has to handle. Um, but there's obviously yes, there's still definitely statistical things to watch out for. Mm. Um, so I think um, yeah, that was really fun. Thank you, Shannon. Um, yeah, I think um, I think for I really wanted to do an episode because I just saw this thing last night about the. Um, the Pentagon making official their UFO unit because um, it just like it seems really cool because they put a bunch of footage up that they've confirmed was actually from the US Navy about stuff that they're not sure oh, what it is. That was a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. I think, and then like, and then I, yeah. I think a couple of weeks ago they were talking about it, and two days ago the Pentagon officially said, "Yep, we do have a UFO unit. This is what it's called. It used to be called this. This is what's happened to it." And yeah. here's some footage. And we're confirming this is real. It is from us, and we don't know what it is. Yeah, that doesn't mean we think it's aliens. It just means yep. it is technically an unidentified flying yep. object. Yeah, and um, I think you, you watched the video of it. And it the, the way that some of the um, the things behave in the footage is pretty weird. I have to admit, like I'm oh, always the one that rip, rip up the UFO stuff. But the thing is, is so there's this. I, I'm getting into it early, and I'm sorry if I'm. <laughs> This, this is like next week on after this. <laughs> but basically, there was this. A lot of it is just stuff moving really fast against the wind that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, one of them is like this, like slightly oblong object. You can't really tell what it is, and they're like, we don't know what. The, you can hear them on the radio channel. Like, we're not sure what this is. It's moving at this speed against the wind, and this is how strong the wind is. And then it's like sort of flying, and then it just sort of like slows down, and then just tilts on its side. And they're like, and it's like if a helicopter did that at that speed, it would sort of like do this loop where it has to like, you know, it transfers its energy in a different way. I've Mm. seen helicopters do that. But this thing just sort of goes like that. It just tilts sideways and stops moving for a second. And it's just like that. I I can't. I mean, I'm, I don't know everything about the industry, but I've seen a lot of planes and a lot of helicopters, and the thing is, I've never seen anything do that. It's, just, do that yeah. it's the sort of thing you that you space shuttles do. Like when space I mean, shuttles space, they'll tilt on a, on a dime mm. because there's no gravity. It was like that. It was just jink like this. I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> no, if, if it's amateur footage, I would normally say, like, oh, it's a bug. It's much closer to yep. the camera and it just looks like something big and far away but like the US Air Force would have thought of that the, the U- these are the US Navy the, the Navy like, Navy they would have thought of that it's basically so. it's the collection of footage where they're like you know they've probably seen a bajillion bits of footage right yeah, and they're yeah. like we don't know we actually just don't, don't know, know what, what this is, is. it's not it's really cool. not behaving like anything else so we can't categorize it uh, just a quick question for you Daniel 
Yeah. Have you had have you had this rock up in your letterbox yet? <laughs> National Sunday law. No. <laughs> is this some um, cult? Some kind? I think what so. Is, what is it's it? It's on the back of it. It goes, a stupendous crisis awaits <laughs> awaits us. The book you have in your hand takes you behind the scenes and explores the shocking who, how, and when. Ooh, of, of what? what? <laughs> <laughs> the beast like describes a, the beast. Like a Christian thing. It sounds like a Christian cult. The two horns, the two horns beast. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, okay, it's about Look, the devil. <laughs> no, I don't even know. Like, hey, I, I'm. I'm... But the Christians are getting tricky, right? They're always they're always looking up new ways to package things so that you don't realize you're talking about Christianity. But the thing they're trying to describe but can scare you away from. The things that they're trying to describe, the mark of the beast and the seal of like, you tr- I want I want to become this thing that you are scared of. <laughs> <laughs> you guys this do have self-control and does what it wants to do. Like, it sounds like a very per- like an optimum conscious being. Like all over Greensboro Station, I remember, and I think it was at a few other ones that mm-hmm. I remember seeing the ads for Alpha Course or something. And the thing it was it was called like it was there when I was going to uni originally, so like twelve years ago. But it was like Alpha something, and I would see the ads Alpha every now. Global. I don't know, but I mean it's probably a lot of things. But it was basically like I remember looking it up at one point, and it was obviously a Christian thing, but it's like repackaging, and oh, it's so funny because they're trying they're trying to sneak their way into your brains, guys. <laughs> 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 it's like maybe if we don't call it that, people will think it's cool. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, that was a fun digression. Yeah, I'll talk more about the UFOs later. I've I've already gotten overexcited. I was just looking yes, at the footage. Definitely last a good night. one. Um, I and... also want to do an episode on. Um, There's an article I read this week about uh, bacterial growth in space in microgravity, mm. which had okay. a couple of really interesting things that I would like to talk about. That would be really. So we got rad. a couple of interesting space based episodes coming up <laughs> i'm not excited at all guys <laughs> <laughs> um awesome all right well that was an excellent episode thank you for taking yeah, me through that shannon no worries and now i should have some more time to free up and gather in my conspiracy theories including this national sunday law thing ah uh, yes you still need to do a conspiracy episode all right yeah three yeah, that's it. Oh, mate, like, I've been studying so much recently and I didn't realise that all this information gathering that I've been doing and becoming such an incredibly wonderful person made it very, very, very difficult for me to answer very specific questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I've got so much information. Just let me do a podcast. Like, don't, 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 like, make me answer a question. Let me, <laughs> let me express myself and, like, you can get all these. <laughs> that, that is literally Dunning-Kruger in effect. It's basically where you start. Have you heard of Dunning-Kruger? No, no, no. It's what they described to the flat earthers. It's basically when you start learning about something and you're so full of random information, you feel like you know everything. Yeah. And then very sudden, and you're like, I'm an expert. And then suddenly <laughs> you, got, you, you hit all these walls because people ask you questions or you read something, you're not sure what it's saying, and you suddenly go, oh, shit, I don't know anything. <laughs> but then there's the expertise line at the end where you actually you start actually to fill those gaps. It. And then yeah. when people ask questions, you do know the answers, and then you're the real expert. You were just experiencing the initial high, Shannon. 
no, no, it's not just that. It's not that. It's the fact that I am. I'm not literate with the words and like how they ask the questions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then That's stuff you can learn. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'm gonna smash it. Like, give me a couple, give me a couple weeks and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, it's definitely a combination of like that that factor as well of thinking I know everything. And then the other thing as well is like when you go, whenever I go and try to like find a little specific bit of information to just finish off a sentence, I'll just mm. read the entire like paragraph and just get way stuck oh, into all God. that. Thing. Then I'll go <laughs> back to answer true. that. Then I'll go back to write that little bit in. And I'm like. Hang on, what was that bit again? <laughs> I do that all the time. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I'm getting too excited, guys. Getting too excited. Yeah. Thinkers. But the, the good thing is I've put like 30, 30 odd hours of study in as well as like work the past couple of days I, as well. Uh, with, with the stuff I've been starting this week for the engineering, I, I cannot wait until... I figured something out maybe with the with the responsive cadetships or something where I don't have to work anymore. Cause like, mm-hmm. I feel like working as well, my brain is like in two modes at the same time. And because sales never really stops. It's not like something where you start and stop what you're doing. You sort of like, it's always going. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit kind of thing. And so your mind's always on two things at once. And I'm like, oh. I can't wait until this is just gone. Yeah. And I can just do this. <laughs> yeah. That's why landscaping's a little bit different. Like I just got to yeah. put plant baby little plant babies yesterday in someone's front yard. Mm. And it's really cool. The dude gets me to like he's Maybe. just like I have this many plants and they need to go there and I get to do all the maths and the spacing and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Cool. But as opposed to actually thinking in sales and all that, it's like it would be using the same. Oh, I, I mean, the thing sound. is, I used when I used to do three D modeling stuff for Dad's business. Um, that was kind of like that. You just put headphones on. And they'd say, "We need these things made up," and mm. you'd make them, and then you've made them, and you leave. Like it's it's so much more just like start stop sort of thing. Whereas sales, you've got a sales target in your head, and it's never not in your head, even on your yeah. weekend, even at night, even whatever. It's just always lurking. Um, and I've had that for like almost five years. So this is my fifth year. So of being an Amex. So the thing is, yeah, it's, it's just keeps going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it'd be fun when it, when it all sort of transfers over and we're all in our little adventures. How long do you have left by the way, Carla, of your MBA? Uh, probably about two years. Um, it's a two year program. If you do two subjects at a time, I'm only doing one at a time and I'm a year and a half in. So, yeah. Okay. So two more. Oh, you'll probably finish roughly when Im does then. Yeah. Because Im's doing her Master of Social Work um, oh, cool. at, at Melbourne starting in August. And I'll, so, I'll, become yeah. an, I'll, become, I'll be an enrolled nurse nice. in a few years as well. We're all just going to reemerge right. as beautiful butterflies in a couple of years. Like, they're all reborn. <laughs> oh, I, don't think, I think I'm going to be not a beautiful butterfly i think i'm just going to end up being like working night shift and then studying furiously during the day so i'll be like eh, i must learn i must learn everything in the world about like people except myself <laughs> you'll be the beautiful yeah. butterfly learning, working at night and then cringing through the day yeah <laughs> uh, right. anyway, we'll wrap up and then we'll do our next topics later because that sounds like a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh i have been daniel i've been carla and I'm still Shannon. See, these guys have been, and I'm still. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <Never stops. laughs>